Let's take our Bibles now and let's hear from the Lord Jesus Christ as he speaks through the word. Turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. If you need a pew Bible, it's on page 1016, 1016. As we read the word of God, it is God speaking directly to us. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor or grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we come and we so desire that we would have the posture, the heart, the humility and the surrender of Mary. Recognizing, Lord, that you are great, awesome, holy, And yet you have sent your son that we have sung about, we have now read about, and we will now hear preached about. And we pray, Lord, that our response would be that of Mary. Lord, be it unto us as you will, as you have said. And so, Father, we ask that by your grace, faith, hope, and love would be strengthened in our hearts by the hearing of your word. And that, Lord, we would not merely be hearers, but doers. In the name of the Lord, amen. Don't be afraid. That's what the angel said three different times here in the first two chapters of Gospels Luke. It is the focus of our Christmas series that we began last Sunday, and we will go through January 3rd with. I appreciate you being here this morning, and as we begin, I begin by stating the obvious. Life doesn't always play out the way we want, does it? Interruptions in life have always been the norm, but this year has been filled with one interruption after another. 
we might say 2020 has been one long interruption or perhaps even an interruption with steroids on it. It has been unbelievable. This ongoing pandemic has interrupted people's plans like never before. From minor plans to major plans, plans have been turned upside down due to COVID lockdowns, COVID restrictions, shutdowns, you name it. No person, no family is exempt. Everyone has been adversely impacted by these COVID interruptions. Like you, my own family has felt the impact of these interruptions and some rather significant plans in our own family's life, beginning uh, with a not-so-significant vacation out in Colorado that was canceled the day after we drove out there to uh, our youngest son's high school graduation, our oldest son's wedding in May, both of those events being canceled and turned upside down, and thankfully we're able to be rescheduled later in the summer. Such is life in 2020. I'm sure you can relate to that a little bit. And so we, here at the Christmas season, we actually look to the Christmas season as sort of a, a time of peace on earth and joy to the world. But once again, people's holidays plans are being interrupted by new COVID restrictions. And of course, all the normal interruptions in life are simply magnified now and made even more difficult in the midst of this pandemic, like health interruptions with sickness or cancer, financial interruptions with a sudden job loss, family interruptions when there's conflict and turmoil with children or parents, or or even when there's a death in the family. With all these interruptions we can easily find ourselves overwhelmed with anxiety and even fear. Maybe that's why here in 2020, the most popular verse on the YouVersion Bible app, get this, was Isaiah 41.10, where God himself says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. And so, again, I want to encourage you to open your heart and hear again what the angel said to Mary. Don't be afraid. In fact, in this story here, Mary shows us that our interruptions in life are really God's invitations to trust Him because He is with you. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this because our God is a God of interruptions. In fact, this very word, interrupt, it comes from two Latin words that means to break into. And that is what God likes to do. He likes to break into our lives and even change our plans. We often put our security in these neatly planned and tightly wrapped hopes and dreams. But what do you do when God breaks in? What do you do when He wants to turn your plans upside down? How do you respond when your plans are all of a sudden interrupted? Your expectations of how life should be or should go. What we're going to see here is that what we tend to call interruptions, God actually sees as invitations to trust Him. Those times that you feel like God is interrupting you, He is actually inviting you to trust Him for something better, for His glory and even our good. God's interruption in Mary's life here in Luke 1 revolves around her setting, her surprise, and her surrender. Notice, first of all, Mary's setting. 
She is a, a young virgin girl dreaming of her wedding. That is the setting in which we find the story here. We discover Mary's family setting in the first two verses of our text. Look again at it with me. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this is the greatest news to hit planet Earth. And it was delivered to the most unlikely person, a young virgin girl who's dreaming of her wedding day. Mary was young. In fact, some scholars believe as possibly as young as 12 or 13 years old or, or perhaps somewhere between the ages of even 14 to 16. And like most people in Israel, she was a poor, uneducated peasant living in a small country town of Nazareth. As people said in those days, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Mary was also a female in a culture that discounted women. From a merely human perspective, we would say that she is rather insignificant. One pastor and author writes, she would marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel further than a few miles from her home, and one day die like thousands of others before her. A nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. In fact, the only bright spot in Mary's life is she is now betrothed to Joseph, which means she has formally agreed to marry Joseph, but the wedding has not yet taken place. And so she's dreaming about and even planning for her wedding day. Until then, Mary and Joseph were considered to be married and even called husband and wife, but they they did not live together, nor did they consummate their marriage physically. In fact, verse 27 here states twice that Mary was a virgin, leaving no room for doubt on this issue. This is the setting in which God suddenly interrupts Mary's life. She's a young virgin girl, who is dreaming of her wedding, and yet it's right at this point that God breaks in to her life. Which brings us to Mary's surprise. Notice this. The angel tells her she's going to have a baby. What a surprise that was. Mary was given the greatest honor that any woman has ever been given. She was now chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. Except this was not in her plans. Notice Gabriel's greeting in verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now that word favored is a, is a significant word, important word. It comes from the Greek word for our English word, grace. And it means to be treated with undeserved kindness. And so the angel's greeting throughout history has often been misunderstood. Because Gabriel here, the angel, was not worshiping Mary. Nor did he say that she herself was full of grace. These ideas come from a prayer used by the Roman Catholic Church. And the problem is that it treats Mary as the source of grace rather than the object of grace. But the Bible never says that Mary was without sin. 
and remained a perpetual virgin and is able to even give grace to sinners. But at the same time, she alone was called to give birth to the Son of God. Therefore, it is appropriate to call her blessed, as Mary herself sings in her own song later here in verse 48. Now, as you might imagine, Mary didn't know what to make of Gabriel's greeting. What Gabriel said was meant to be reassuring, but Mary was still spooked by all this. Luke tells us in verse 29, notice it, but she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor or grace with God. Now, why was Mary so troubled or afraid? Well, the obvious answer is she just saw an angel. And the angel in the Bible, listen, like most angels in the Bible, this angel, Gabriel, doesn't appear as a precious moment's ornament, but... Angels in the Bible often appear as majestic warriors whose first words are almost always, don't be afraid. Now, I'm sure the sight of an angel was overwhelming to Mary, just as it would be overwhelming to you and I. But it's interesting that Luke here specifically says that Mary was greatly troubled by the angel's saying and not by the angel's appearance. Why? Because she is now trying to figure out what is happening. Why is this angel talking to me? What does this mean that I am highly favored? But that's not the half of it. Gabriel proceeds to tell her something that just blows her mind. Congratulations, Mary. You're going to have a baby, and not just any baby, but the very Son of God. Look what the angel says in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now let's just stop here for a moment and ask a question. Why is it that we are often afraid or at least hesitant to embrace God's plan or purpose for our lives. Well, there are many reasons that we could think about and even talk about here this morning, but let me offer to you two reasons why we're often afraid of God's plans or or purposes in our life. First of all, number one, God's plans and purposes are often disruptive to our lives. Remember, Mary is betrothed to be married to Joseph. And so she's dreaming of her wedding day. Like any engaged bride, she can hardly think of anything else. She's getting ready for the biggest day of her life. And if her wedding was today, then she's thinking about the guest list, the decorations, the flowers, the food, the music, and obviously the dress. Of course, the dress. She may even be searching on Pinterest for that creative idea to make her wedding day that special, unforgettable moment. And so this is the most exciting time of her life. And suddenly, this angel disrupts all of her plans at the most inconvenient time. What can we learn from this? Again, what we call interruptions, God sees 
as invitations to something greater. No, not always easier, but something greater for his glory and other people's good. Remember what God did with Moses in the Old Testament? God interrupted Moses' life as a shepherd and invited him to become the deliverer of God's people. Was it easier? Absolutely not. But it was something greater for God's glory and other people's good. What about Jonah? God interrupted his life and again invited him to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Was it easy? No. In fact, Jonah resisted it at first, and so he spent three nights in the belly of a fish, and then he finally surrendered to God's plan and purpose for his life. I wonder how many of us, how many of us were so prone to just shake off God's invitations, calling them interruptions, when God is calling us to something greater for his glory. I don't know how all this will play out for you. But listen, if you will be open to God's interruptions and see them instead as his invitations, God might do something special in your life for his glory and other people's good. But it means seeing God's interruptions as invitations to trust him. Why are we afraid of God's plans? Because his plans are often yes disruptive to our lives. But there's another reason I want to point out to you why we are often afraid. is because God's plans and purposes are often different than our plans. God's plan for our lives is so often different than what we have planned out for ourselves, and this was certainly true for Mary. I mean, think about it. There must have been a moment here where Mary is just blown away with humility by what the angel is telling her. Oh my, I've been chosen to be the mother of God's son. And then her emotions swing. Oh my, what are people going to say about me? Because in those days, to be pregnant out of wedlock was a sin that was punishable by death from stoning. Perhaps she's even begun to think, what is Joseph going to think about me? I mean, can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Joey, are you sitting down? Because I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. God's purpose for Mary was way different than anything that she could imagine or that she had planned for her own life. And as a result, her life was about to change forever. Yes, she will be married. But listen to me, not before rumor spread throughout the countryside. There will be a wedding, but not the way she expected or planned for. She will have a home filled with children, but over her family will rest this dark cloud of suspicion. It will all happen, but not the way Mary dreamed it would. But according to God's purpose for God's glory. What a life changing announcement the angel gives to Mary. And not just for her life, but for all of humanity. She's going to give birth to God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who will die for our sins. And as Mary thought about God's plan for her life, she only has one question for Gabriel. 
Did you notice it in verse 34? She asked, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, Mary's question here is not a question of unbelief, but rather it's a question of understanding. You see, Mary believed what the angel said. Her only question was biological in nature. In other words, I'm still a virgin, and virgins don't have babies, so how can this happen? You may be wondering, if you were here last Sunday, well, this sounds like the same question that got Zachariah in trouble. I mean, his doubt put him in time out for nine months. So what's the difference? What's going on here? Well, when Zachariah received the promise of a son, his question was, if you remember, he asked, how can I know this? It's a question of unbelief. He didn't believe the angel, so he asked for some kind of sign. But Mary asked a completely different question. How will this be? Unlike Zechariah, you see, Mary believed what the angel said would happen. She just wanted to know how it would happen because it was physically impossible. It was a good, honest question. And God gave her an answer as well as a sign to confirm the promise. Notice again what it says in verse 35. And the angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son in This is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, this is one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. Gabriel's answer is summarized in this one truth. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the very message of the virgin birth. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. The virgin birth boldly declares that there is no limitations to God. Impossible is not in God's vocabulary. The virgin birth is also one of the essential facts, and yes, even the great mysteries of the Christian faith, which means if we deny this, we deny the faith. Only the virgin birth preserves the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ. His conception by the Spirit points to his deity, and his birth from a woman points to his humanity. How will this be? Nothing is impossible with God. And if God could perform the miracle of the virgin birth, then don't you think that our God is capable of handling the difficulties and disruptions in our own life today? Listen, two of the most powerful and hopeful words are found right here in all of Scripture. Those two words are simply this, with God. With God. With God. 
Listen, there will be a time when God is going to interrupt your life with an invitation to something greater for his glory. And God's purpose is going to be way different than your plans. And you're going to look at it and possibly even begin to think, God, I don't see how that's possible. And that's when we must remember that with God, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that's as true today as it was 2,000 years ago? It's also true that somebody has to say yes or else the impossible will never happen. And this leads us to Mary's surrender, number three, where she expresses her complete trust in the Lord. Mary's response is rather incredible, especially when you consider her circumstances And yet the first thing that she says in verse 38, notice it, is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Before she says anything else, she reminds herself who she is and whose she is. She says, listen, I belong to whom? I belong to the Lord. And I am called to serve Him. And even though I don't understand all that's happening, I can trust Him with the outcome, and I will be obedient here. And then Mary says one of the greatest faith-filled statements in the Bible in the rest of verse 38. She says, let it be according to your word. And of course, your word is in reference to who? Because Gabriel the angel comes as a representative of God Himself. Let it be according to your word, God. In other words, I have no fear about God's plans for my life because I am the Lord's servant. I know my God. And I know his plans are good and he is just and he is loving. And if he interrupts me with something that's inconvenient for me, then I want to surrender myself to what he wants. Because his ways are obviously higher than my ways. His purposes are way greater than my purposes and my plans. Therefore, let it be to me. Mary said yes. When she could have have just as easily said, thanks, but no thanks. Count this girl out, but not Mary. She trusted God in the midst of her fears. It's rare to find someone who's willing to trust God for the impossible and then obey God without hesitation, without reservation, without qualification. All of this leads one author to wonder how Mary did this. He marvels that an ordinary human girl of flesh and blood believed that God could perform the impossible miracle of the virgin birth and went on believing it and bore the honor and burden without losing faith and nerve and proper humility and sanity itself. How did Mary do it? Listen, the answer is that Mary did it by faith. She simply trusted God for all of it. Trusting God is the key in the midst of our fears. Listen, the year of 2020, the year of this pandemic, 
Don't be afraid. How? Trust God, for He is with you. Notice this, first of all, embrace the favor of God in Jesus Christ. The angel told Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. This is important not only for Mary, but do you realize this is just as important for us here today? You say, what is the favor of God? Well, some people might think it's getting a good parking spot pre-COVID on Black Friday. Or it's the house you've always wanted going on the market and buying it at a great price. Or in today's market, actually having somebody accept your offer. Or when you post a picture on Facebook, you get a bunch of likes. Or you reach 100 followers on Instagram. I don't know how you define favor. That's how a lot of people do. Is that how you think of it? Think about the situation that Mary's in here. She's just been told she's going to be pregnant before getting married. In a culture where this is not only frowned upon, but is punishable by death. The man she loves, Joseph, is probably not going to understand the situation and will probably leave her unless God intervenes in his life, which we know in Matthew, that's exactly what God does through an angel or through a vision, a dream at night. Mary is already poor, and if Joseph rejects her, she is going to be destitute. And yet, Mary rejoices in the favor of or the grace of God. Why? Because a son is being born to her. A son, the angel says, whose name you will call, what? Jesus. And as Matthew tells us in Matthew one twenty one, because he will save his people from their sins. Now what if Mary's main problem is not finances? What if her main problem at this moment is not even a bad reputation due to all this? But like all of us, her main problem is a severed relationship with God because of her sin. But what's happening here? Jesus was coming to restore a broken relationship with God. That's the favor or grace of God. God's favor isn't always easy. Sometimes, as with Mary, it includes a lot of difficulties, but it's always good because it brings you to the promise and presence of Jesus Christ, which is what we all desperately Embrace the favor of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. God is with us. Second of all, surrender everything to God because of Jesus Christ. Just like Mary, we must be willing to say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm afraid this is where too many Christ followers stop short. We have enough faith to believe God for salvation but we're not willing to step out and really surrender everything in our lives. 
and especially our plans, our dreams, our hopes, our expectations of how life should go. And when life doesn't go the way we want because God wants to interrupt our life and change our plans for his glory and even our good. See, this is the moment. This is where we need to cross and take a step of faith. Surrender everything to God because of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is only one favorable position to be in with God. And that is fully surrendered. Listen, do you realize that all other positions other than that position is nothing less than rebellion against God? So are you willing to say what Mary said? Then surrender everything to God. Give up control of your life, putting your plans into His hands rather than trying to manipulate them and bend them to your own purposes. And do this even when you don't understand everything that God is asking you to believe or do. And all of this leads me to a question that I want to ask you to ponder. What is it right now that God is asking you to believe? What is it right now that God is even asking you to do? You see, for some of you, the answer is immediate. You already know in your heart what God is asking you to believe or do, but perhaps you've simply been resisting. And your next step is really a step of faith. It's a step of surrender. For others of you, it may take a few moments or even a few days of praying, of searching, of asking God to reveal it. Lord, what do you have next for me? What are you directing me to do in this season of my life, this season of COVID even? What are you challenging me to trust you with right now? And then never forget this especially if God is asking you to take that next step of faith. Remember here, notice this in your notes, outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is always God's responsibility. Obedience is always yours. And so when you start to ask what's going to happen, how are we going to blank, whatever, what about this and that? Remember, that's outcome. That's in God's corner. That's His responsibility. All you're called to do is to take the next step of faith and obey. And so when God interrupts your life, and He turns your plans upside down, your expectations go sideways, remember that's an invitation to trust Him. And ultimately, outcome is God's responsibility and obedience is yours. Let's pray. But before I pray, I want you to pray. And I can't think of a better prayer to pray than what Mary prayed. Would you be so bold 
and so humble as to pray, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Would you be willing to pray that prayer of surrender right now? Heavenly Father, we bow before you with grateful hearts that Jesus has come to save us. Help us to take Mary's prayer on our lips and to bow before you in trust and surrender to release the reins of our lives that we think we're competent to hold on to and to entrust them wholly into your hands. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.